0: It's hard to be on the outside of an entrepreneur. It's hard yeah. to look at someone's life, an entrepreneur's life, and not judge it harshly because either they work too much, they mm-hmm. work too hard, it's not worth it, or it's frivolous. Yeah. Like, there it's because it's, it's hard to understand the ins and outs of it.
1: Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey.
0: And we know all the challenges that come with starting a business. Between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company, we wake up and hustle every day. And
1: today we're talking,
0: just the two of us, about last week's episode with Randy Smith, founder and lead designer
1: of Sugar Euphoria, a boutique wedding cake and confectionery studio in North Carolina. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. All right, Court, let's get started. Let's get started. All right. Well, I thought that was a great episode. One it I was. love, Randy. It's like always so fun to talk to a friend. It is. We've known Randy since
0: she started. I know, but what I I love how calm she is. Like she's such a calming presence. Like it I want to have like a cup of tea with her and like cuddle up in like a <laughs> not blanket. a Bahama Mama. I'll have that too. <laughs> that's fine.
1: No, I feel like I feel like that's the Caribbean in her. Like I feel oh, yeah. like she is like on like her own schedule a lot yeah. of times and she's always just seems non-phased even yes. when she should be like freaking out right. she never is right but uh started off fun i loved how she was talking about netflix that like clearly we're going to be on together as the the sugar rush uh what netflix show would you want to be on or what netflix show would you create to be on like would be like one that would fit you
0: that is so hard. I like. I don't think I've ever watched like a reality TV show and was like, I should be on this show, like legitimately. I mean, but really, like, how much reality TV have we even watched? I mean, I've gotten into the Bachelor and Bachelorette to like, you know, be cool, like the girls in our office. I <laughs> like. Fun fact: I've literally never seen an ap- episode of the Bachelor oh, or but the I, Bachelorette. Well, I was in college when the very first one aired, and we all watched it religiously. Oh, really? We were huge Trista fans. I'm very upset he did not pick Trista. Her. Yeah, that was the person who we dumped and then she became the first bachelorette. And she married oh, Ryan and okay. whatever. Anyways. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it would just be interesting to have a Netflix life about like this entrepreneur life, like just the life of what it is, all the ridiculous shit that we had to do all the time.
1: So the life of what it is, the entrepreneur life. Like the
0: entrepreneur life.
1: You're probably not going to be in a think tank for Netflix anytime soon. <laughs> that is, well, we all know that's not my strong suit. <laughs> Netflix, what would yours no. be?
0: I can tell you've thought about this. I haven't
1: thought about it. Okay. I really haven't thought about it. Well, like when I was, it was a TLC show. I always thought it would have been so much fun to be on trading spaces. Mm-hmm.
0: I knew you were going to say that. Oh,
1: really? Yes. I loved that show growing up. And now I would never want that. Oh, like no. I would well, really hate ever. for someone to come in my space mm-hmm. and trade it. I would be pissed. Yeah.
0: Because they probably do a
1: terrible job. I feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is a no-go. What if we switched
0: places? I did your house. You did mine.
1: Well, I feel like that could probably end up better because yeah. you know. Yeah like the standard or like what my vision would be. It's true. But I think our Netflix show would be something more along the lines of like the messiness of being sisterpreneurs. Mm. Like it'd have to be something like sisterpreneur be behind the smile. <laughs> There'd be a lot of drama. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But it had to be real. Like, and how real are those people?
0: You know what I mean? I don't know. I think there is some realness to it, but like I said, I think they edit it to what they find the villain. Yeah, they, they have to have a bad guy and a good guy.
1: Obviously, you'd be the bad guy. obvious So I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't be on this Netflix show. We'd I'm just silent partner. We'd be a silent partner. Maybe my
0: face would be blurred out. <laughs> so I, I thought she's had like a ton of great tidbits, but when she was telling the story about how she did her first one-on-one class and she, um, they told her how to properly roll out fondant. Yeah. At the end, she was like, and here's how I do it. Like basically the shortcut way to it. Yeah. She was like, what? <laughs> this is like what I need. But it made me really think that there's always something in business that you had to do the hard way first before you can learn the easy way to do it. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm still learning things the hard way.
1: Yeah. Like I haven't figured out the easy way. Yeah. It's kind of like like math. It, it, and when I thought about that, it made me think of like trigonometry. And how you had to, like, learn, like, all the, like, trigonomic functions before you could just actually put them in your calculator. Yeah. That's what it made me think of is that kind of had to learn that the hard way before figuring out the easy way. Yeah. But maybe if you say something, it'll inspire me to think of something. I don't
0: know. What was your hard way? Like, the thing, I I honestly thought it's just, like, learning how to, like, manage people. Like, mm-hmm. learning how to figure out how to communicate with your employees in a way that's effective. Yeah. And, and I think that the hard way is still always still works great. But to me, it's, um, it's trying to figure out like, like what makes them tick who they are. And you can take to me, it used to be like, Oh, we're going to spend so much time with each employee. We're going to like invest this like every Wednesday and have lunch together. And you like actively try to seek out to connect with these employees. And I'm not saying I'm doing that anymore, but now it's just more of, okay, like, let's take an Enneagram test. Let's figure out what makes you tick. Let's figure out what color you are. And like, and I can automatically like kind of, it's a little bit more, not as much of a shot in the dark, but like, I know you're going to love this or whatever. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like yeah. kind of creating, using tools to figure out what the best way to communicate instead of trying to figure it out. That makes yeah. sense.
1: That's definitely true. I that made me think of how we've been talking about how to find the employee oh, to yes. fit your job, yes. as opposed to creating a job around an employee. And I feel like we danced around that tree a couple of times, and we still do. And we have to say no,
0: no, 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 no. Let's go back to like our That's core right. truth. <laughs> I know. It's just Literally like that. this morning we had this conversation. <laughs> Let's go back to our core truth that yeah. we do not need to create a job to fit this employee. This employee is our employee right now, and it fits the job now. But if this job evolves, because what we need, it's okay. And maybe it's not the right employee for that job.
1: Yeah, which sounds like so like gut-wrenching when it you think is. about that. But then it's not a business decision. It becomes a, a personal right. decision, right? Where you're like, well, maybe
0: that person doesn't fit. And then it becomes a anymore. business disaster.
1: That's right. Yes. And then it becomes very personal. Yes. <laughs> this it's, business disasters feels so personal. Yeah. But I think maybe that, like yeah. going going through that the hard way a couple of times. Yes. And then realizing, all right, it's it really is just business. It's not personal. Right. And you've got to do what makes sense for your business, and for everyone else around you. Because I think sometimes you make decisions for one person, and instead of just making the hard decision about that one person, you've now affected, like, the other eight people in your Mm -hmm. office for trying to, like, preserve one person. I think that's super hard. I agree with that. Yeah. Another thing I love that she talked about, and I feel like you could talk more about this than I could, because I think there's really nothing in my business that I wouldn't be okay turning over to somebody. Mm -hmm. Well, that's actually not true. Probably Big overarching financial things I wouldn't want to turn over, but everything else, I'm cool. But what's that one part of your business that you don't want to turn over?
0: Mm, that's hard.
1: Yeah. The one thing. Like she said, it was cake deliveries, right? She would yeah. do all of this and I she does, she wants to deliver it. I feel
0: like mine isn't like concrete either. Yeah. And to be fair, this idea that you couldn't give up finances is new because when we first started, you didn't really even care about overarching finances, really. Yeah. It was just, you know.
1: I don't know. To be clear, I do not want to be in the day to day. Like, I don't care about like paying a bill or anything like that if we've like made a decision to hire this person and it's X number of dollars. But I'm saying, like, where's our money going long term kind of thing? I feel like we should never give that up. I'm just saying that's the only
0: thing. For me, my control is time. Like, I know that sounds very weird, but I don't think I could ever give up having a non nine to five office or nine to three, whatever office hours are. Like, I do not like, solely like uh, remote offices. Mm -hmm. Like I like to see my people. Yeah. I like to know that if I'm going to like randomly stop by the office and I'm going to see at least two faces there. Yeah. Because I didn't feel that way for many years. Like if we were gone for a week, I wasn't certain that people actually showed up at the office. Yeah, They probably didn't. Yeah. And I don't know why they could be more productive at home, but it's something about seeing them there, like someone having their eyes on everything. Like, I don't know. But don't you think that's kind of like a catch
1: 22? Like I might make different decisions. We might make different decisions about our schedule that might even be more beneficial mm-hmm. if we di- weren't feeling like we were answering to other people in the office.
0: Oh, I, I have I have let go of that a little bit. Like okay. where I can look at it and say like, like if I know I'm done for the day and like like a couple weeks ago because internet was making me angry, I was like, I can't do anything here. I'm just going to go home and work from mm-hmm. home. It's fine. Um, or if I'm like, hey, I got my stuff done. I'm going to work from home I'm on Friday mornings. That's fine. I don't oh. have any qualms with that. Yeah. Because I know I'm going to get my shit done. Right. Like, but I like to see everybody else, mm-hmm. even though I should trust them and they all are great people. But I don't think I'll ever give up, like, just being like, just come in whenever you want. Yeah. Like, I want to know a schedule. Like, give me your schedule and please commit to it.
1: Well, being a venue with people coming in and out all the time and right. vendors coming in and out, you have to have somebody on site. Right. Like, but, that's the nature of the beast. I know, but we used to
0: just be like, Oh, you worked this weekend, so you don't have to come in Tuesday until 2 p.m. And and it was just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, I give you enough vacation time. Just take the morning. Tell me you're not going to come in and take your vacation time for Mm -hmm. it. But you, if not, then show up at 9 a.m. Yeah. Not (laughs) 9.10. Not 9.30, (laughs) but 9 a.m. So control of other people. The one thing
1: that you're not willing to learn over is controlling other
0: people? That is true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear. Very clear. But I... One of the things, though, that, like, it really made me think of is how Randy is kind of in this perpetual, like, solopreneur yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, she—it's like, you know, interns—and we have interns, too, sure. but they're—like, it's fleeting. Like, it you have is. an intern for four months, and then you've got a lull and another intern that Retrain. you're training. So you're yeah. constantly training and retraining. And while it can be helpful for business, there's a lot of time that's mm-hmm. committed mm-hmm. to getting an intern to where they're useful to you. But I thought it was really interesting about— it's almost like she doesn't want to take that risk because she doesn't want to give yeah. up the the control of it.
0: And I wish we'd asked that to kind of get, dig a little deeper into that. But no, I agree. But I think there is a lot of fear with hiring. There's a lot yeah. of fear in, of, you know, can I guarantee their paycheck? There's fear of are they going to learn all my secrets and open up their own thing? There's fear of being more work in all actuality for you. Like maybe it's not going to take the load off. It's just going to add a different kind of load, whether it's like a pressure or whether it's just mm-hmm. now I have to manage this person because that is a thing I don't think we fully understood. We're like, we're going to hire these people, take this off our plate and it's going to be great. We're having all this time. Well, no, that time is just spent doing something different. And half that it's maybe I have half my time back because the other half's time back is managing them right. and making sure they're doing their job. Right. So it's not just like a one-for-one, one. like you hire this person and now you have all this time. It's like, I have some time back. Like I just got a little bit back, right. you know? So I think there's a lot of fear with that. And, you know, and I think for us, what we have found is every time we have grown, it has only like pushed ourselves to more than we could have imagined. Like the business right. is flourishing because of it. Whereas if, whereas if we had just stayed the two of us.
1: Well, you would only be able to take on so many events. Right. Right? You'd have to limit right. what you could do. Right. right? So you can only grow so big as a solopreneur or for us like as a duo. Um which is interesting. Was functioning as a solopreneur.
0: Right. But which is interesting because a lot of people will make the argument, well, they that's fine. Like they just want to take a certain amount of events and they want to charge what they want to charge. But I honestly think that there's a point when you when you tap out of a mm-hmm. market, like when you tap out of it, like you're saying, okay, I only want to do I'm gonna I'm a solopreneur, I'm gonna do 10 weddings and or 10 whatever, and I'm gonna charge, you know, five thousand, ten thousand dollars a cake and I'm gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the ability to get that $10,000 client is going to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle like so much more because you're going to have new competition and all this stuff. Right. And so to me, and we've talked about this often is creating like a diverse marketing plan where you're hitting that ideal client X amount of times a year, but you also have your bread and butter client who's paying the bills at the end of the day
1: and giving you exposure. Like they're keeping your name out there because if your name's only going out, into the free world, like three, four, five times a year. Right. Then who's going to know about
0: you? That's been like our biggest fear with the collective is our girls are becoming like such stronger, stronger planners that like, like they can do so much more yeah. and they're all, well, they we- want to do so much right. more. We've had the conversation about like, do you just get rid of event management? And I was like, no, like you don't mm-hmm. get rid of it because it's what exposes us to so many venues and right. so many things that once you take, That 25% of your business out, like we're no longer on Instagram feeds and whatever. And we'll search for this venue and you're not in a recent Instagram feed in the next six uh, six months, they're not going to book you. It's kind of like the net to even catch that
1: big one. You have to like get all the little fish before you get the big one. Right. You know what I mean? But your net has to be out there. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think scaling like with team members helps you do that. Helps you
0: do that. Right. Because it helps you manage those little things so you can, so that you can do the big things that you want to do. Right. You know, and be. It's that level. And I think too, like
1: one of the things about hiring a team and growing in that way. And yes, it is scary. Like our, our first hire was super scary. I remember like, we're going to commit to paying somebody else $30,000 a year. We don't even pay ourselves $30,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Like it was super scary at the time, but it allows for you really. Um, one of my favorite books growing up was Anna Green Gables. And she always mm-hmm. talked about her scope for, of imagination. Oh, yeah. Like when she got to Green Gables, it just yeah. provided so much scope for imagination. Right. And I feel like when you hire a team, it allows you to get back into that space where you have some mm-hmm. scope for imagination. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not like you're dreaming all the time because you're certainly in the trenches sometimes. You right. have to pinch hit, you are doing training, you're dealing with office dynamics or right. whatever it is. There's certainly those things. But I think by and large, right. it allows you to take like a top-down picture of what's going on in your company because you can step away on some level. And it also allows you to pursue other things that might pique your interest and your passion. And I think that we've noticed that, you know, we had C&D events. It was you and I. We hired on Becca. Um, We had interns that became planners like Kelsey was during that time. Mm -hmm. We opened the Bradford. All of these things have each fueled the thing that came before it right. and made it even bigger. So right. being able to kind of project and being able to like open your mind to what's coming next mm-hmm. allows you to really grow what you had before. Right. right. So I think it allows for that. Yeah.
0: I think that's very true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a scope for imagination. We're not imagining anything right now though. No, we're next. not. We were done imagining for the We're moment. tapped out. Yeah. Tapped out.
0: <laughs> no more imagination. I'm at, at my max. Oh, so I really love to like kind of segue, not even, that's not even a great segue, but just moving into the next, I thought was a good meat in the heart of her interview was asking for help. Yeah. I loved her comment from her mother-in-law who said, yeah, I'll sort your socks. And I and it was just like this like guttural reaction of like, there's a lot of times you get to the end of laundry and you're like, I don't want to do this. And you just throw it in the that's unmatched right. bin. And then eventually you, get, you you can't find socks forever. And are like, Hey, we got to match the socks. And it's like such a labor of love for someone to say, I'm going to sort your socks for you. And you're like, that would- I don't know. What would be your sort your socks thing? Honestly, probably anything with meals. Like Really? Yeah. Like meal planning. Like if someone would like plan my meals for me, like I, I it's, it's my least favorite thing to do. I know I do it, but. Like quite thoroughly. You I know. do it quite
1: thoroughly. I know, but
0: I hate it every time. I'm like, oh, I got to get this done. I got to figure this out. But I find it to me, and it's probably why, I do this for people is when anyone's having a hard time, I just want to bring them food because I think it's the one thing that is the most stressful to think of, especially when you have children mm-hmm. and like whatever's going on and you're like oh, dinner, like what are we gonna do for dinner? How are we going to get there? Like whatever. And I felt this a couple, like this guess a couple weeks ago. I got back from Vegas and I had a procedure done a couple weeks before. I guess it was 10, 10 days, days before Vegas. It was supposed to be a one day recovery. I know it was not It's like a three week recovery. And very traumatic. But anyways, I felt awful. And I was on this antibiotic and made me like super nauseous. And like, I was dizzy and like, it was terrible. And like, and I had a meal plan. I didn't, I didn't meal plan when I got back from Vegas. I didn't have a meal plan. And Sam, every night I was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't, I just don't care. Like, I just don't care. Like right. just whatever, fix it, make it. It's, you know, and it, and it wasn't stressful, but it was stressful to me. Cause I was like, you know, do we even have stuff to make food or whatever? And I remember like he all this is going down and like I went to the doctor to follow up and they told me what was going on and I called him and I was like in tears and I was like, I'm on the edge. Like I'm on the verge. Like, I don't think I'm going to like, you need to pull me back. Like this mm-hmm. is too emotionally hard. And he was helping his brother move. And I know his whole family was there. His whole family heard that conversation and like nobody was like, Hey, like, do you need help this week? Or yeah, do you know what I mean? And I was like, I don't ever want to be that person. I'll never hear like tears in someone and not say, hey, what can I do for you? Yeah. Like, let me be, you know, there for you. Do you know what I mean? But flipping it on its other side, I you should have
1: said, I, "I can you ask your family to bring us some meals? Like, I just can't handle it. And it's like putting me in like a, meant, right. you could have asked your sister yes. and I would have brought you a Costco pizza,
0: but <laughs> still it would have been something. <laughs> right. No, I know. And I, that is my problem is I just, so it is Pride. I don't think it's pride or ego. I don't think it's pride or I think it's ego. I think it's the wrong expectation of people. And, and like a unspoken An expectation unspoken of expectation. other people. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, that'll get you in trouble. They will because yeah. it's not how I would behave.
1: Yeah. that but was You should see Dana's meal plans. No one's going to behave like that. So no one's taking that off your plate. Maybe you just need to meet like, this is what I do. So I'm like, all right, I know myself at this point, right? Mm-hmm. I've Because I've been around almost 40 years, right? I know I'm not going to cook dinner every night. Like, I know that there is going to be a handful of nights that I just need to be able to shove something in a microwave Mm -hmm. or put something in the oven and cook or tell Mason to do it, right? Right. So, I'm like, realistically, I'm going to cook maybe three nights a week. Mm -hmm. Like, that's realistic. One night's going to be leftovers. Some night we're going to go out. So, I get the things that I think are, like, the healthiest, right? Like, I'll get, like, the tiki masala already pre-made at Costco, I will buy the rice that you just put in the microwave that's in the bag, even though it's back religious religious and crazy expensive, but it's 90 seconds in the the microwave. And my dinner is literally done, right? Because I just know that's what I can handle. Throw some steam bag vegetables and like I'm not cleaning anything up. Mm -hmm. Everyone's eating healthy food and it's done. So I think just like wrapping your mind around, it's a little bit more expensive for sure, right? right? Like tiki masala and rice not in bags is cheaper, but at that point, I don't care. Like I don't give a yeah. shit. Like everyone's fed. It's off my plate. And I know it's what I can handle. But I think sometimes maybe you just have too high of an expectation
0: of yourself. Yeah, no, I, I do. I, that is true. But I, I don't begrudge cooking dinner. I don't mind it. I, it's the planning. It's the planning. Yeah. I, I can. If there's not a meal plan, I will not cook. Yeah. I will not do it because I will not scrounge the pantry and try to figure it out because it just frustrates the hell out of me. And I'm like, so ask, what do you want? What do you want? I don't care. I don't care. I'm like, well, then obviously eat some cereal. Cause that's what I'm eating. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what so we're you having. need some things in the freezer that you just yeah, like are no, no. the whatevers. I know that. I know that. I'm just saying, like, I think it's one of those things where I still am learning even as old as I am, even going through all these, even having babies and all these things, like saying, I do need, it's something that I need help because need is a very strong word. Right. I would like you t- to care enough to help me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'd like for you to care. I'd Please. like
0: for you to give a shit and help me. Yes. Please
1: recognize this, that <laughs> yeah. like, this is hard.
0: Like yeah. it's hard. Yeah. You it know? is hard.
1: Absolutely. I don't know what my sort my socks is. I clean your house. I do. I, I, but that, I mean, that's an easy fix, but the thing that I don't like about cleaning my house is it has to be all picked up and ready. Mm-hmm. And like most of the time, like the downstairs in my house is, but my kids' rooms. I think oh, it would yeah, be yeah. like totally like cleaning my kids' rooms, like yeah. cleaning the top floor of my house, yeah. like organizing it, yes. getting it to where organizing it's manageable. Yes, yeah, so it would That'd be, be like would be my sorting my socks. Yeah. Like my kids' stuff in particular. Yeah. And it's hard too because yeah. like we're, you know— we're building a house and going to move and within some time in the next year. So like how much effort and energy do you put into it? And None. yet it still bothers me. You yeah, know what I mean? Like I, I remember when you guys were getting ready to move into your house, you like stocked your house with whatever it is that you were purchasing for your new house. Oh, yeah. Like you even like closed yeah. off one of the bathrooms because yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> full of boxes. And I was like, you're one norovirus away from like disaster because you yeah. have one toilet for you, four people, but whatever. That stresses me out. Yeah. Like all of those like in process things. Yeah. Like I couldn't live like, I couldn't live like that. Yeah. I can't relax.
0: I do love that. But clutter, if I know there's an end in sight, it doesn't bother me. Mm, bothers me. Like I, I just, I like literally don't look at it during the week and Saturday really? morning. It's like, we're going to pick it all up and the kids know, like there are certain things they should do, but I just, I just, I don't have the energy to worry about it or to care yeah. about it. So I just ignore it. I know it's just fleeting.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're not perfect over there for like, there's definitely times. But your house where I, is always picked up. But My kids know because they know, like, they're like, she's about to go batshit. You better pick that up. And Mikhail knows. Yeah. Like, this is really
0: going to bother her. Right. Right. So he makes it happen. Yeah. So the other thing I loved when she was giving advice was, um, like, you're going to give yourself all the reasons why you shouldn't do it and they'll never be right. So, and we've we've heard this over and over again with people on the podcast, like, just do it. You can always talk yourself out of it. But what was some of the... Like, what did you try to talk yourself out of when we started? Like, what were some of those things that you were saying that I shouldn't do this because?
1: Well, I felt like with like C and D, I didn't have any of that because it was just low risk, low risk, right? It kind of started like as a jobby, like from the previous episode with uh, Megan. Yeah, It's a job hobby. So it was just fun, low risk, something to try. And plus we were like super young at this, that time. So like all the energy, all the energy, (laughs) right? All the time. But definitely with the Bradford, I mean, I definitely had a fear that it was never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Like we were never going to have the space that I would deem good enough, that it wasn't going to be successful enough mm-hmm. that I thought that for sure, like we'd be working the weddings or doing sales or right. like, I didn't imagine the team that we would have. Right. And so I felt like that would become a lot. Right. But definitely some of those worries.
0: Yeah, I think mine are pretty similar. I think C and D, I didn't have, like you said, probably as much stress Mm -hmm. about it. I think there came a point when we were getting really busy and I was just like, it was that kind of like shit or get off the pot point, you know, like either you're going to do this or we're just not going to do it. And I was really afraid to really want it. I was always so fearful. I think it was time. Like it was going to like absorb so much Mm -hmm. time and I was going to regret like not being home or not, you know.
1: Which I she talked a lot about that. Like she talked a lot about how, who, who did you disappoint? Mm. Like whose perception did you let down Or like their perception of you by opening up your business, right? Like there's always going to be someone like Mm -hmm. if it's like a spouse or a mother or your kids or whatever, remember she was talking about Mm -hmm. that. And I've never had a whole lot of guilt concerning Mm -hmm. that because I feel like there is equal benefit to my children to see somebody like pursuing something that Mm -hmm. they believe in passionately Mm -hmm as much as, you know, being the 365
0: mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, but you have a actually very similar story to hers. Like you, you went to pre-med, you were supposed to go to med school and you made Mm -hmm. the decision you didn't. And everyone in your life at the time would have told you that you just didn't do it because like, I honestly thought you didn't do it because you were depressed and and like in this period of like almost laziness, like it's just like, it was to me too hard
1: thank you for that mental health. Like I was in a period of depression and you just equated it
0: to laziness. But at the time we didn't know you were depressed. I know now that you were, yeah. but like, I just thought like, oh, she's just settled. Like she just decided oh, no. it was like, and it wasn't until years later when I think we had a real conversation. You're like, I just not, like didn't want it. It wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah. But for so much of your life, you told everyone you were going to be a doctor from the time you were like mm-hmm. five or six. Just like from the time I was five, first day of kindergarten, I was like, I want to be a teacher. Yeah. And, and I think we were allowed to change our opinion, but I felt like it, it was so much of who we were as kids, like deciding this path that, and I only, I taught and then I fulfilled that, what I said I was going to do. And then I did this, where I feel like you took different, like a little bit of a windy path from like med school to selling insurance, to (laughs) teaching, Teaching. to here, you know? and so i think you're you, i think you have a little bit more of an ease of like starting new things and realizing hey this isn't what i wanted yeah this is what i want to do because you know you've done it He'd done it a couple of times yeah you know or i had a little bit of a hard time with it cuz it was just giving up on that what i thought i was going to be and it wasn't even like i mean we like oh the money was terrible i was like yeah the money was terrible but it wasn't why i quit like Oh, teaching? Yeah, that wasn't. Yeah, because
1: definitely owning our business, that money was terrible for a whole lot longer.
0: It was, but it, it was very much like I honestly thought I was going to like change lives. Like I was going to change the world teaching these children. And I realized I was not going to do gonna that. Change your own life it
1: become very jaded. Yeah.
0: No, <laughs> you know, and so there was just a lot of that. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I disappointed anybody. I, I, if, I, I mean, I could probably maybe assume, but I don't, no one's ever told me that they were disappointed in me.
1: I felt like for us, like when we started the business, it was always like their little thing. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like I remember even like your in-laws talking mm-hmm. about it. I remember like our family talking about it. And it was just like, oh, they're, you know, they're like doing their selling, little thing. Like we're selling something online. Like we're like doing Like we were like a multi-level marketing. Yeah. Like we were selling Mary Kay. Right. Right. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I don't, it's not that. Like it's right. just not that. So I felt like. Somewhere underneath, there was something to prove Mm -hmm. to me. I agree. Like that, that I had that, that was like a changing people's perception in that way. Like you are undervaluing what I'm doing or you're underestimating what this thing is. This isn't a multi-level marketing scheme. Right. Right.
0: No, I agree. I don't, I don't know. I don't know my in-laws think of it to be truthful with you. I mean, I don't think they're, I don't think they're disappointed, but I mean, I was a science major, which is what they were. And I think that was always like they could relate to me on that level and then like now they don't I guess (laughs) I don't know I think it's I think it's hard it's hard to be on the outside of an entrepreneur it's hard to look at someone's life an entrepreneur's life and not judge it harshly because either they work too much they -hmm. work too hard it's not worth it or it's frivolous like there it's because it's it's hard to understand the ins and outs of it And I think sometimes when you look at and I'd say it's a lot about Sam, like he's, he does a ton of stuff, but I think to a lot of people, it's like, maybe he does too much. Like maybe I'm not enough of a mom. Like maybe mm-hmm. I don't, maybe I put the brunt of the work on him too much because I'm like chasing this dream quote unquote or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm like trying to pay for our retirement over here. Like I'm trying to give us a life that we want, you know? Yeah. And as, as, as he, I mean, he works just as hard at his job, mm-hmm. you know, it's just different.
1: Yeah. So within con- like the confines of certain hours,
0: which is right. helpful. Right. Where <laughs> entrepreneurship, little, it's not. A little more boundaried. Yes. Yeah, there isn't as many boundaries in, in being an entrepreneur. Yeah, totally like not. You can't, you can't draw those lines in the sand. And I think you can't like
1: really speak into anyone else's like family dynamic really. Right. Like what works for them totally. may not be what works for you. Right. You know, like I feel like even her talking about her husband. Yeah. And I think about other cake businesses where I'm like, wow, like. I think of a couple of creative people whose husbands yeah. literally quit their job to support right. what their right. partner was doing. And I mean, that's not her story. She right. sounds like she's in a business in a household of two entrepreneurs, right, right, right which I think looks very, very different. Very different. Yeah. yeah. Very different yeah. pressures.
0: I agree with that. I, I definitely think it's, and I mean, I still judge people all the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you like, what is that? Why is that family operate that way? That seems weird. Yes, it's normal. It's not like it's a normal thing to look at an outside and be like, I don't understand how that works. But I think that's where you have to take a step back and say, I don't understand how that works. Yeah. Therefore, I can't make any past judgment on it, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, cheers to not using your degree. Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. Uh Thanks, everyone, for gathering with us today to talk about the hustle. For our episode with Randy, we picked a Bahama Mama cocktail, and we hope you'll get the chance to make it this week. And cheers, again, to those who will sort your socks.
0: And to learn more about our hustles, visit cndevents.com, thebradfordnc.com, hustleandgather.com, and their newest one, anthemhousenc.com. Or follow us on Instagram at cndevents, at thebradfordnc, at hustleandgather, and at anthem.house. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast
1: is a production of Your Fluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle & Gather.